Shalom, Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk, Part 2 of Congregational Organization and Structure. David's disregard of sin almost led to another rebellion from Adoniah. So there's got to be an interjection. David was was a man after God's own heart, and yet he wouldn't correct his own children. We can't and won't tolerate sin, weird and evil spirits, spirit of control, Jezebel, spirit of confusion, spirit of division, instability, disorder, disturbances, confusion, commotion, tumult, and any other distraction or infiltration from the enemy. Wrong motivations and attitudes are one of the greatest issues we face in the greater body of Messiah. James 4 verse 3 says, Or you pray and don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive, that of wanting to indulge your own desires. Many people are motivated by the desires of the flesh. They're motivated by recognition, self-glory, fame, pride, titles. Listen, I, I want to say this humbly and transparently as we come before you in this Kadima talk. Having done this for 20 years now, I, I can share with you honestly that the first five, six, seven years, you know, we're just seeking God. I just want to serve him any way possible. And and I was man, I can't believe that I'm not getting invited to speak to this or speak to that. I did not have a humble heart. Matter of fact, the Lord humbled me nine years ago, almost took my life to get the scales removed from my eyes and a sluggish fat from my ears to seek him wholeheartedly. It's not about names on billboards. It's not about titles. It's not about people coming to me and saying, oh, Rabbi. It's about humbly serving and ministering to him. And the more he began tearing this away from me, taking away the self-glory, taking away the pride, now, all of a sudden, things are coming to me, and, and as they're asking me to speak, to be involved with stuff, and, and this isn't false humility, I would actually reply, I think you got the wrong guy. That somebody else would be much better at this than me. And so it takes time. You can't be uh, involved in things for a year or two and think you're going to be ushered right into the top. It just doesn't happen that way. I habitually talk about Joshua being Moshe's number two man for 40 years. It wasn't 18 months as number two, and he goes to Moses, hey, I think I should be in charge now. He was a loyal servant for 40 years. Then Moshe dies. Then the Lord lifts him up, and he takes Israel into the promised land. 40 years. We cannot operate as leadership and operate in the desires of the flesh. I want to share a story in Luke 14 that Yeshua spoke to us, a parable about humility. This is about invitations and coming to a wedding. In verse 7 of Luke 14, when Yeshua noticed how the guests were choosing for themselves the best seats at the table, he told them this parable. Verse 8, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, don't sit down in the best seat. Because if there's someone more important than you who has been invited, verse 9, the person who invited both of you might come and say to you, give this man your place. Then you'll be humiliated as you go to take the least important place. Verse 10, instead, when you are invited, go and sit in the least important place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, go on up to a better seat. Then you'll be honored in front of everyone sitting with you because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. I've seen this come to pass profoundly in my own life, and it's still an ongoing process. The Lord's still working with me. When people's 
motivations and desires are not met, when the desires of their flesh, when these outside motivations, whatever that is, fame, pride, title, self-glory, to see themselves up on the billboard, uh, you know, there's a lot of things behind this. But whatever they are, when those motivations and desires of the flesh are not met, then they become offended. Hasetan's number one tool, his number one trap and snare is offense. Hasetan uses every possible opportunity to plant offense. Offense destroys unity. Racism, anti-Semitism, racial hatred, racial superiority, wealth, poverty, rejection, abandonment, shame, oppression, all cause division between us. It's the biggest obstacle we must overcome in order to walk, live, and dwell as the one new man to live together in Echad, to be Yachad. Hasetan, remember, has no power. What he does is gets us into bloody battles between each other. And when we're engaged in all-out warfare, offense, unforgiveness, and bitterness between each other, we're not coming against him, which is what we should be combating. We're coming against and fighting each other. Proverbs 18, verse 19 says, It's harder to win an offended pasha, to rebel, transgress, revolt, apostatize, quarrel, transgress, and offend. It's harder to win an offended brother than a strong city. Their fights are like the bars of a fortress. Offense or being offended in the Hebrews to apostatize from God, to be in rebellion against him. Remember, we're all made in his image. So if we're offended by a brother or sister, we're actually in rebellion against God because they're made in his image. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again, and I'll probably say it on my deathbed. A mature believer walking with God cannot be offended. A mature believer walking in the fullness and an intimate relationship with Adonai, spirit-filled, cannot be offended. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, He who conceals an offense promotes love, but he who harps on it can separate even close friends. Offend or offended is to transgress moral or divine law. It's sin. To violate a law or rule, to do wrong against the law, to cause dislike, anger, or vexation, thoughtless words that offend needlessly, to cause pain and hurt. We're commanded by God to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and we're led to love our neighbor as ourself. To become offended is to sin against God. Yeshua said in Luke 17, verse 1, he said to his disciples, his Talmudim, it is impossible that no offenses, scandalon, this is the root word for scandal in the Greek. Scandalon, scandal, offense, things that offend, stumbling block, the movable stick or trigger of a trap, a trap stick, a trap snare, any impediment placed in the wrong way, confusing, causing one to stumble or fall. It's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. An offense is a violation, a wrong to cause pain or hurt through thoughtless words or actions, which becomes a stumbling block, a trigger the trigger of a trap that ensnares, impedes, causing one to stumble or fall. It's not a question if you'll be offended, because you will. Yeshua said it's impossible that there won't be any traps or snares. In fact, just about every day the trap or snare of offense is placed before you. The question is, how will you respond? What we just learned from Yeshua's word in Luke 17 is that the snare or trap of offense takes you captive. A trap has two specific conditions— a trap is hidden and is baited. The bait draws you in, and because it's hidden, it springs shut and snares you. And remember what Yeshua said about temptation? It's our own desires. So now we're, we're back to these motivations. 
We're back to these attitudes. We're, we're back to these desires of the flesh. That's debate. And you get drawn into it, but what you don't see is the hidden spring that shuts and it snares you in the trap. This is how Hasetan uses offense. He incorporates the same exact strategies to lure you into his trap. It's hidden. It's made scent free so you're unaware it's a trap. The trap also has bait, so you'd be drawn right into the snare. Offense. Remember, it's not a question of if offense will come. The question is, will you take the bait? Offense itself isn't dangerous unless you take it, unless you pick it up. You take it to heart and mull it over, consume it, which like poison consumes and darkens our heart with this fruit, which is hurt, anger, rage, jealousy, resentment, divisiveness, and bitterness, unforgiveness, outrage, indignation, shame, and finally lashing out at those who were behind the offense. This actually then goes on to gossip and slander because you want to share that rage with somebody else. And nine out of ten times, it's leadership. And so now a cancer is raised up in the congregation bringing divisiveness. Where one was enraged at first, now it's two, now it's five, and the cancer grows. Wounding, broken relationships, betrayal, backsliding, and apostasy from God then result. Coupled with this is depression, physical sickness, and hatred towards the place and people where the perceived offense happened, which is quite often places of worship. The offended begin to hop around congregation to congregation, never settling down, running away every time something happens that looks, smells, or feels like the original offense. They're continuously paranoid, always on the outlook for the next offense, keeping people at a distance, overcompensating for their shallow relationships and paranoia. What's really happening? They're trapped. They're caught in the snare. Hasetan has them right where he wants them. Truth offends. It's why we so often struggle in a messianic realm. What we share is biblical fact, kingdom truth, but quite often people become highly offended in our expression and walk of worship. Why? Because truth offends. I did a word several weeks ago, unpopular truth. Truth is unpopular today. People don't want to know it. The elders asked Yeshua why his followers didn't perform ceremonial hand washing in Matthew 15. And Yeshua replied in verses 8 through 12 of the same chapter. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is useless because they teach man-made rules as if they were doctrines. Then he called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand this. What makes a person unclean is not what goes into his mouth. Rather, it's what comes out of his mouth. That is what makes him unclean. The Talmudine came to him and said, do you know that the Prashim, the Pharisees, were offended by what you said? They were offended. Why? Kingdom truth which offended the stronghold, the possession within them. The Prashim took offense by Yeshua's heavenly character, his words of truth, his holy conduct, so they rejected him. Yeshua's answer is profoundly deep and true for us today. Matthew 15, verse 13, he replied, Every plant, futia, plant, something set in the earth to instill doctrine, every shoot, something brought forth, something that germinates or grows. He replied, Every plant that my Father in heaven has not planted, will be pulled up by its roots. We're surrounded by plants, and produce, doctrines, growth that have not been planted by Adonai. The word of God, truth, a house of truth will purge those doctrines, those growths, those plants not planted by Adonai. Truth reveals people's motives and fleshly desires. Their doctrines are plants that are not of Adonai, causing them to uproot and leave. They are stumbling blocks leading people astray. 
The only answer to this is to repent of unforgiveness and offense. It must be totally released and laid down so Yeshua can pick it up. As long as you hold on to offense, the trap has you. Yeshua can't take it up if you won't release it. You have to give up your right in being wronged. Let me say that again. We have to give up our rights in being wronged. There must be forgiveness. In Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22, Peter, Peter Kepha came up and said to him, Rabbi, how often can my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? As many as seven times? No, not seven times, answered Yeshua, but 70 times seven. Have you ever been wrong or offended? Have you been placed in a position that you didn't deserve or had nothing to do with, but you've been blamed, maybe even held accountable for something, even though it wasn't your fault? I would say that the answer is yes for every one of us. If you've been offended knowingly or unknowingly or currently retain it, have or holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness, hate, you're trapped. You're ensnared by Hasetan and are living, working in the flesh. Shaul states that hatred, jealousies, outbursts of anger, rivalries, divisions, and envyings are works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 20 through 21. You can spend your time in anger and hatred and spend time and energy trying to vindicate yourself, to sit around waiting for an apology that may never come, or will you recognize the trap and the snare of Hasetan and forgive and release, obtaining freedom? Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15, Yeshua addresses this. He says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' offenses, your heavenly Father will not forgive yours. People hurt people, and hurting people hurt the people closest to them. Holding on to an offense will make you resentful and angry, destructive emotions that deplete your energy and make you a negative, bitter person. When you focus on your offenses and past wrongs, you're looking backwards, away from God. It's imperative that you lay all your offensive down, release them, which is forgiveness, releasing you from the trap of the offense. And this is so critical because I'm talking to leaders in, in congregates here. I'm talking to every one of us. But this is even more critical for leadership because you will be hurt again and again and again and again. People that you've poured into, spent time to, discipled. You've helped them physically. You've helped them spiritually. You've helped them financially. You pour out yourself into couples, into people, and they turn right around, stab you in the back. They have false charges. They gossip. They slander. They leave. They're unappreciative. You have to give up your right in being wronged, and you have to lay those offenses down, or you yourself will be in the trap and the snare, and you'll be an angry, negative person. Remember, the whole purpose of Hasetan's trap is to capture you, to divide you away from the body and cause apostasy between you and Adonai. The strength of the kehel of the congregation is the congregate, and the strength of the congregate is the kehel of the congregation. So when the enemy ensnares you and captures you, he causes division and tears you away from the very thing that you're, it is your place of safety. It's the sanctuary where you can be free to worship and honor Adonai. Those traps and snares turn you away from the presence of Adonai, and it's the ultimate purpose of offense. When in the grip of offense, everything in your life is filtered through that bitterness, hurt, shame, rejection, and rage. Mishpocha, I hope this has spoken to you about congregation authority and settings. To be good leaders, we have to be good people, of character and integrity and honor and righteousness. And to do so, we have to give up our rights in being wronged, and we have to lead in truth and bear truth into the congregation and the world. And in this, the truth will set you free. Mishpokha, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
Shalom.